Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, I got breaking news. Troy, I have a new special team <laughs> Sources. Sources say... And Kate got eloped. How about that? Can I get a confirmation? Can I get a confirmation? confirmation. He's got the hardware. He's showing it to us on the Skype. Put a ring on it. Wow. I am annoyingly playing with the ring like I've watched so many people annoyingly play Uh, with their ring. When does that stop? Uh, It takes a while. Yeah. At least it did for me. Never. Yes. Yes. Like, I don't have enough distractions in life. Like, (laughs) like to stop me from typing. There I am. (laughs) Two hands off the keyboard playing with the ring. I I do not like uh, typing with the ring. And I I struggled with it for years. And then one day I was at, uh, I was in LA covering a Laker playoff game. And I took it off. I was just in a zone as I'm writing on deadline. I took it off and put it on the table. And I forgot to put it back on. I walked out to my car and I realized they didn't have it on. I went back in and I let they let me back in. I got it. And yeah, I remember that'll, thinking, that'll cure you right gotta, there. Yeah, I got to learn how to do this because if I come back yeah. from Los Angeles, a business trip to L.A. <laughs> and say I lost my ring. My wife is not going to believe that it happened innocently while typing a story in the press room of the Staples Center. Nope. 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 There will be discussions. <laughs> on the full extent. So I had to learn. Still a struggle. Still a struggle. So you're going to have to learn, Pete. Pete, uh, tell us about this. Uh, this, you know, congratulations. We're all thank you. Yeah, all happy I mean, for you. Dead yeah, man he, walking. He, I have to say, he popped the news on the group text over the weekend. And I kind of, I did think something was up with the vacation because you meant, had mentioned nothing about it until we're like signing off the last podcast. And we, you know, we're done. We're like, oh, I'm not going to do it next week. I'm on vacation. I'm like, hmm, that's abrupt. Just had just gotten engaged. All right. And then like nothing like I could bring the equipment and maybe do it there. Nope, nope. There's vacation, straight vacation. <laughs> My antenna was up, but I didn't know you guys were going to pull the trigger. Tell us how it happened. Well, we uh, we got engaged Super Bowl weekend and, you know, discussed options to getting married. The most annoying thing about getting engaged is the person who, like, 30 seconds later is like, so when's the wedding? Do you have the wedding planned yet? Like, you know, so it, enduring those questions uh, for, for, for a while. And obviously with COVID and there's like a backup of weddings. You know what I mean? All the weddings canceled last summer. So there's this, this log jam. So we, uh, and then there's an equity issue. If we were going to have a small wedding, you know, somebody's going to get left out. So 
just the two of us. Uh, you'd be surprised to hear that Kate did a majority of the work finding an officiant, a photographer. <laughs> and we, we did a Zoom marriage license. So like really? two days before the wedding. Yeah. Palm Beach. We were in Marco Island, Florida. Very nice JW Marriott. They took good care of us there. I'm sure you guys have probably been to love the Marriott it. Marco Island. Yeah, yeah Dan it. goes there for Christmas with his yeah. family, he told me. Really romantic thinking of Dan like eating chicken <laughs> fingers and drinking beer by the pool while yeah. I was getting married. Quinn's pool, <laughs> me and my bucket of Coors Lights. Yeah, there you go. There you go. If they only had bush light there, it's too nice. Nah, it's probably it's early too and you're only too fancy. You can only complain about the place. A lot. So, yeah. Uh, again, stunningly, Kate did a, a majority of the uh, of the legwork uh, on things. And uh, 5.30 in the afternoon on Thursday under a nice little tiki hut, we, uh, an officiant, lovely woman named Heather, uh, you know, hitched us up and off we uh, off we went. I will tell the the funny story of the wedding. So it's beautiful ceremony. Kate looked beautiful. We had a great we had a great time. Uh, I consider it the perfect crime. Like I was on the beach until 3.30 that day, you know, before, <laughs> you know, before like there was no worries, no aunt, uh, no, no that's, hurt feelings that's from the cause. It. Yeah, it was just it was it was uh, all gas, no brakes. Right. Sark would be uh, Sark would be proud of us. So the funny story that you guys will appreciate, certainly, and I'm certainly our listeners will is uh, so we finished. The wedding, it's great. They're taking some pictures. Uh, one of the formalities is like the the marriage certificate had to be signed, and we hadn't brought it out from the hotel room with us. Just quick oversight. So anyway, uh, everything's good. They're gonna go take some pictures of Kate on the beach. I go back to uh, get it, and I decide to stop and use the restroom. I have that awesome moment where I realized my entire wedding, my fly was unzipped. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, trying to jump to the honeymoon quickly. <laughs> I was like, what a, what a smooth operator. You wait your whole life for this moment. Uh, uh, so I like <laughs> quietly sidled up to the photographer. Very nice woman, uh, you know, and I just said, you know, I just realized my, my fly was probably unzipped during this. She's like, look, you were in my lens the entire time. I didn't notice. I was like, just do me a favor. If Just be aware of it when you're editing these pictures and just do some waste stuff. <laughs> that is tremendous. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really awesome. So I I had my first marriage crisis, right? I'm like at a, at a crossroads. Do I keep this information from Kate and risk that she finds out via some pictures if uh, the photographer doesn't doesn't cut them well? Or do I wait and tell her on our one-year anniversary? Well, we had a couple of drinks at dinner and uh, I told her, uh, I told her. And she was like aghast. But then I told her I had like massaged the photographer, taken care of it. So, but I do think she's like slightly petrified that, yeah, my fly could be. It, we, like there, we did get some pictures. It's not like my fly is wide open. It's suit pants and all that stuff. But anyway, Com that communication is, uh, is the key. Yeah, communication yes. is the key. No. Yeah, no surprises, but right? The, the one, um, you know, the picture that you sent was waist up. So you were covered there. You were, you were okay there. Yeah. Now, I, I, I've got a follow-up. All right. Kate, you look beautiful. Beautiful dress she was wearing. She did not, I don't think, go out and buy that dress spur of the moment. That dress was packed and brought to Marco Island. So I want to know when this all was planned. So this is all planned. We honestly, before we got engaged, had had talked about okay. this as, as an option. So this wasn't like we went on vacation and decided to do okay. it. But this, right. was, this was our plan all along. We just didn't share it with everybody. Um, until it until it actually happened, and there were certainly some nerves about that, but everybody took the news great. Everybody was very gracious, uh, family members, friends, that kind of thing. It was actually a uh, 
a fairly fun day on Friday slash Saturday. So we're sitting out on the beach. You know, we had called the, you know, the direct important people in our life and told them. And then I just started sort of spraying the news out to friends from high school, friends from college, friends from work like you guys. Uh, Strength coaches. Yeah, I did actually tell one strength coach, believe it or not, because, you know, like you're he. Yeah. Anyway, like, yes, a a strength coach does know uh, does know this. But I will give uh, I will give. Yes. Yes. uh, I will give Johnny Ludden, our uh, our boss at Yahoo credit. Uh, When I told him I got engaged a couple weeks ago, he was like, man, you should just elope. (laughs) Like he was really he was he was was heavy on he was heavy on team elope. And, you know, the complications of a pandemic and all that stuff, it, it made a lot of sense. So. Yeah, I would uh, I would highly recommend it if anyone is uh, if anyone is pondering it right now during these uh, during these tenuous times. So I am a I am officially licensed minister to do what? The, what? Yes. What? What? I, I officiated my this is bigger news wedding. than Pete getting married. What? I joined an Internet church. <laughs> <laughs> they got this thing, man. By the power vested in me by the Greektown Casino College, yeah, I, I yes, now declare like you. The church of what's happening now or something. I don't know. The guy who invented this is a freaking genius. Okay. You go on the internet and you basically, as soon as basically as quickly as you could do an Amazon purchase, you become a minister who is now legal in almost every state, maybe all of them, where you're officially a minister and thus can. And this thing costs like 250 bucks and there's different levels. Like they can, they can express order all your stuff. You get like a package of stuff. (laughs) This guy, you ever like go through Malibu and you want, I wonder who could afford like that house. It's this guy. That guy can. (laughs) He's making a fortune doing nothing. But okay. But why did you spend $250 to become minister.com? I mean, why, why? So I could officiate my nephew's wedding. I was the guy. I gave. Okay. The, I ran the ceremony. We had a, also, yeah, power invested in me. Oh my god! It was now, in Colorado. Do you think like you could go to Ames for a weekend <laughs> I and can, like I further the scam, run some five weddings in Ames, uh, like I do one, do couple pregame, couple. You know, who would you want more to officiate the wedding than me? I was great at it. I did a terrific job. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I know this. You would be fast because you wouldn't be there to mess around. So that would the be mother, fine. But- the mother of the bride was a little nervous that I was drinking before the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone at Yahoo, everyone at Yahoo so I kept knows it that Dan does his her. best work with a few drinks in him. So, <laughs> so. She's a terrific person, and I did not want to worry her so much. So I kept off the I low I went low key on the pregame boozing. Uh, as the officiant, what I just love is this whole concept that for like these like the laws say you got to have a some kind of religion involved, <laughs> and then they just create this completely bogus religion that someone then profits <laughs> off. So that because so there's a lot of people uh, don't aren't religious and they want to get married, and instead of just having some random like that, they, they can't they don't want to do it at the I don't know who. You know, just have a, they just want to do someone they know. So it's like, here you go. So what a business. What a business. Rentaminister.com, Dan Wetzel. That's it. We're, when we do the called. live pod in Ames, we also <laughs> officiate five weddings. They want. We we turn the town upside down. It's going to be I will marry an Iowa State fan. Why not? <laughs> Imagine that tap water is holy water. Yeah, oh, think about that. We, <laughs> we had a marriage on the All-American last night. It was disturbing. 
This is disturbing. Really? So I know I got the only one. Oh, still I'm a couple watching. episodes behind. I'm All a couple right. episodes it gets, behind. It gets Kate, nice. and I, Kate and I are catching up. All right. I'm sorry. Spoiler. Spoiler. If you're not I don't want to know who gets married. La, la, la. I won't tell, tell you. Me. I won't tell you. There's still there's a lot of questions going on. A lot happening <laughs> on the All American. We'll wait till everyone's caught up. All right. Uh, congratulations, Pete. We did. Now, was we heard that, you know, we made fun of you last week because you weren't here. Yes. And then we heard Kate heard the podcast. You played it for her. Was this the first fight of the marriage? Did, did Pete, did Pat and I cause the first marital strike? <laughs> that was kind of our goal. Get you I ready mean, for this the green mile that you're walking of, right now. Two items of potential strife you'll be delighted by. One is that Kate far too much enjoyed it. And she was like sending it to her friend's husbands <laughs> to listen to like... Yes, yeah, she actually wanted to listen to it again, and I put the kibosh on that. I was like, "Don't, don't feed in, don't feed into them." the The other item of strife was that when I called uh, my parents to let them know we eloped, my mom was like, "Oh, I kind of figured you might have because the, the, the podcast said you went on vacation." And I was like, "Did Dan pass my mom off my marriage?" Awesome. Yeah, that's it. And, and I and I will say this: my mom actually listens to the podcast less because she thinks Dan talks too much. So like, <laughs> the fact that she, <laughs> the, I mean, not I, not I, the I, only one. He is the host. Like <laughs> we we're gonna need Sully. You're gonna have to just put a stopwatch on each of us, and we'll find out who talks the most. Oh, it's Dan wow. by a country mile. It's not even close. I don't even, I don't really? even need okay. a stopwatch. Yeah. Huh? Well, I got okay. I got the hard job. I'm the most interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. He's got to tee it, tee you guys up, and then he's got to have yeah. his have his say on the back end. It's, it's double talk. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to some actual topics that you know involve college athletics. Uh, I still thought that the ceremony at the big time classic out in Vegas, or the you know Peach Jam, or the Elite Eleven camp would have been better. But hey, it would have. Yeah. Congrats, yeah. Pete. Congrats. Thank you. And yes. Kate. congrats to you. I'm very happy for you. Thanks, guys. So one interesting story uh, came up this week from the Texas Tribune that has a bunch of Texas Longhorn donors reaching out to the university uh, over last fall's debate over whether the Eyes of Texas, their fight song, should continue to be played because the song has some connotation to not-so-great origins. And uh, 70% of the Horn donors who reached out to the school were in favor of keeping the eyes of Texas. Uh, many wanted to pull back their funding. Uh, there was a lot of threats. There was a lot of anger. Some really awkward, to say the least, kind of ignorant uh, things. I mean, we have we have this one. It's time for you to put the foot down and make it perfectly clear the heritage of Texas will not be lost. One road, one donor who graduated in 1986, their name was redacted. I don't know why. It is yeah, sad. Well, I don't know why. I mean, it's a public document, but here you go. This one just was, uh, it is sad that it is offending the blacks. Good God. Uh, as I said before, the blacks are free and it's time for them to move to another state where everything is in their favor. What, oh my God. What the, who the <laughs> F writes this? Wow. It's like the 1940s or something. I don't, I mean. Yeah. All right. Less than 6% of our current student body is black, wrote Larry Wilkinson, a donor who graduated in 1970. So that number alone stuns me. The tail cannot be allowed to wag the dog. The wag Oof. must stand up for what is right. Nothing forces these those students to attend UT Austin. Encourage them to select an alternative school. Capital letters now. Oh, they're, they're being encouraged to select an alternative school, all right. 
<laughs> Every one of these emails. I got to tell you, I, uh, these are worse than than I was expecting. So, I mean, look, uh, we're not. This isn't a show to get into whether this. Wh- let, let, we'll take it to the, the sports part. We'll try. Apologize. I mean, it's ridiculous. Larry Wilkinson can go. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know quite what he's trying to prove. I mean, I don't, I don't want to know. Be honest with you, I just don't even care. Screw Larry Wilkinson. if for some reason you have a case that may as i prefer that the eyes of texas get played that ain't a good one no it's a bad one okay so screw this guy however i guess the question goes to that we're trying to get to and uh, i also had a story last week of the black coaches united which is a group of mainly basketball coaches who uh incur are encouraging anyone being recruited by a school in the in the state of tennessee to consider that recently the parts of the legislature, namely the Republican members of the legislature, wanted to uh, wrote a letter demanding that schools in the state, basically any player, any athlete kneeling during the pregame national anthem, uh, and they're saying, hey, do you want to go to a state where they're not interested in your um, constitutional right to, to peacefully protest? Uh, I think these are similar but different. These, one, there's a bunch of crackpot old rich guys and one is an actual legislature uh, i mean larry <laughs> wilkinson can write all the emails he wants he has no juice over uh you know everything in the state of texas but uh, very similar so i think the question is will this could this ever affect recruiting in reality you can you can say hey you should consider it but i mean i i, I don't know your thoughts on all of it and 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 whether this could affect the football i'd like to kind of stay more in the football than go down the rabbit hole how much we think these guys suck. Sure, I think it absolutely could affect recruiting. I think it should affect recruiting because the you know if you go back to when this all kind of blew up at Texas and it it really had been a slow burn, but their one game where they lost and like the only player or at least one of the very few players that stood there for eyes of Texas was Sam Ellinger by himself and almost everyone else left. And that's when the boosters came down with hellfire and fury and the people, they listened to the boosters. Chris Del Conte listened to the boosters. Tom Herman listened to the boosters because Herman was basically of a mind of like, Hey, if the players want to do this, that's fine. But then Del Conte comes in. It's like, you know, that's the school song because people were tap dancing hard on his head. And the boosters are extremely empowered at the university of Texas. They are loud. They have a lot of money. They get heard, and so that trickled down significantly on the team. So I think, like, if I if I am a recruit in Texas, I am taking this one up to, like, the, the boosters will tell the school to tell me that I will stand there for that song. And then so I have to decide, am I bothered by the song, and am I bothered by having to stand there for that song? And if the answers come back that I don't want a bunch of white boosters telling me what to do, I'll go somewhere else. And if I'm a player that Tennessee is recruiting and the state legislature wants to take away my scholarship from a state school because they don't like that I may kneel, I'll go somewhere else. Do I really need that? And if I'm recruiting against them, hell yes, I use this against them. Recruiting is very hard fought, sometimes vicious, sometimes dirty. There's plenty of negative recruiting. If I'm recruiting for Texas A&M, although I'm not sure that's the place, but uh, anywhere else that's recruiting players from Texas, I'm using this against the University of Texas, and I'm using what's happening at Tennessee against the University of Tennessee. 
think, first of all, just the, the, the emails are just generally disgusting. And, and, and Dan mentioned that. We're not going to harp on it. But I just feel like it's, it's important to just lead with uh, lead with that before we dive into the uh, into the into the football piece here. Um, it, it was interesting. We, we talked about this a couple of times on the pod in the fall. And I really think that Chris Del Cane had to make a choice at some point this fall. He had to either side with his players or side with his boosters. In this time of athlete empowerment, in this time of Black Lives Matter, in this very fraught times with raw feelings, I thought it was significant, and I pointed this out all the way through the fall, that Del Cane sided with the boosters. That, first of all, gave us a window into the fact that he was going to need their support to fire Tom Herman, which was his plan and hope all along. Yep. But but the second part is once you've sided with those boosters and once you've done that, the toothpaste is out of the tube here. So it's going to be interesting to see how going forward. And, and I thought the some of the comments that some of the some of the former players, I think Caden Stearns was one um, made about boosters saying they'd have to go to another state to find a job if guys did that. Like there is going to be this is not over and it's not going to be over for a while. There's going to be lasting implications from this. And so. By taking this job, Steve Sarkeesian has inherited this problem. And I, I think unwinding this is going to be very complicated because I would guess at 70 or 80% of other schools, if the athlete said, we don't want this song to be our school song, they would change the song. Like this isn't that complicated at its core. And the longer they hold out, the worse they're gonna look, right? They're waving a flag saying, we are siding with the old white money and we are ignoring the feelings of our young black athletes. That's the clear message. Every day Texas has that song planned to be played. That's the clear message that they're sending. And I can't see a way that come the first game of the year next season, they're still planning to play that song. But I also can't really see a way that it's gotten this far. I I think that, first of these emails, and, and good job by Texas Tribune. Yeah. Well, this becomes a much bigger story now. Uh, These emails make it less likely that Texas keeps the song. Uh, These morons, again, I don't even want to give them the attention for this stuff, but it's it's so obviously ignorant, these emails, and, and preposterous, that I think it becomes more pressure. Also, I would say this, it's not just uh, and I know you weren't implying this, but it's not just black athletes who are offended by this. Sure, um, of course. It's, it's athletes right. of any race, and it's many, many, many other alums, sure. both young and old, who will look at this and go, that's not what I want out of my university. And I'm sure as hell not siding with someone who's still referring to him as the, quote, the blacks. I mean, <laughs> my God, right? <laughs> I want him gone. And I don't really care if he's got a million bucks. What is it, 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 I, We need this booster money. Do you really? Are they not going to play football at Texas if, a, if, if all the old racist guys go? Or are we not able to pay Chris Del Conte as much money? Because that's really what we're talking about with budget. They got a budget at Texas to field a football team. It's all the bells and whistles that these guys need. So... I would say that the athletic department quite easily say, beat it. We're going young. We're going to go different. This is the future. This is not the past. It's not just that you don't want, you want the song to stay. 
your argument is clearly ignorant and racist. Yeah, that's your that's, problem. If see, there was an argument, and and there very well may be, I, I will fully admit that I have not spent much time being that uh, involved in this debate. Okay, maybe I should have been. But now on to a separate thing. I don't know that seventy percent of schools would, and I think this is the issue with Texas and with recruits. What school you are you going to that these same boosters aren't there? Like, where is the where is I, I, I some schools might be able to sit there and say, hey, um, we're offering a different alternative. Right. And I, this would be something maybe the Pac-12 or somebody could really like we're UCLA, man. We're Cal Berkeley. We're University of Washington. We're going to be a, from a much different political persuasion on our campus you would have at these other campuses. Uh, I mean, we're going to turn this thing into like a, a blue state, red state thing. But I don't know that you're going to sit there and go, well, that's it. I'm not going to Texas because I definitely know they don't have anyone like that at Texas A&M. Or te- well, I mean, that's why, probably- yes, I retracted my A&M qualifier there because, I mean, there were showdowns on campus between Kellen Mond and other people on the football team and angry white alums over a statue. I don't even remember which statue right now on campus. But so, yeah, your point, your, your point is valid that, that these people exist everywhere. But <clears throat> the thing that Texas has, has done here, I mean, they have drawn a line that says – you do not have any personal choice in this. You will stand there for this fight song or this school song, whereas the perfectly logical alternative is if you don't want to, you don't have to. If you do, go ahead. But that's and the, the point that the, the tell from these emails is, you know, it's not with at least some of them. It's not, hey, I have pride in my school and that song fills me with pride. It is no. If you don't like it, then the hell with the blacks. I mean, that that's that's where they've gotten themselves a real issue here. Yes. The lack of option is really the most stunning part of this. Like you would think in the modern environment we're in, if there's been that much blowback from your players, be they minority players, be they white players, whatever, like that the school would stop. But not only have they decided to not stop the song, but they're also demanding that everybody stands there for yeah i mean it's like like i mean the optics of it are preposterous <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous I, I, if i was in college that i would have never stood i was always non <laughs> i'm a two non-conformist <laughs> like when i was in like the fourth grade or something and i first learned that you are allowed in america to burn the flag i i love that concept yeah. what made me more patriotic about america was that i didn't have to be patriotic like that concept to me yeah. is one of the best things I ever heard in my entire life. I've never burned a flag. I'm never going to burn a flag. But the fact that I'm allowed to burn the flag makes me like the country more. Anybody's <laughs> telling me I have to do something. And I think we've established like my uh, my love and loyalty to my alma mater <laughs> is basically nothing. <laughs> I went, I paid them. I went there. I got out as fast as I could. That's it. Done. My kids buy me a T-shirt to, to make fun of it. Uh, that's about all I got. Why the hell do I would I have to ever stand for whatever the hell the alma mater of my university is? What? What? I didn't go there. No, I went. I graduated just like you. I'm no, you're no better than me. I don't. I mean, like how how would you possibly have to stand for a school alma mater? It's like, again, it's the electric company, man. It's a college. You pay them, you do. You get a service back. 
I don't salute the electric bill when it shows up every month. So I don't even understand the concept of these people. I don't want to. If I that guy Wilkinson or whatever, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, I would. I don't want to meet you. I don't care. You're a moron. But it's like to sit there and demand because I love the eyes of Texas. And one time I helped Betty lose hand <laughs> on our first courtship. <laughs> Watch the beat Seven, Baylor. Seven to six. We, we beat Arkansas 23 <laughs> to 10. Our old white team certainly would have beat all those, the quote unquote <laughs> blacks. Yeah, sure. That was when football was football. Only white people played. Right. <laughs> Good team. Good times. I mean, I, F these guys. I It really does. I mean, it's like, how the hell is Del Conte sitting there going, well, okay, I better. I, you know what? Give up your country club membership, buddy. Yeah. Quit it. Say, you know what? I'm going to get, I'm going to take a pay cut and I'm going to stand up and do what's right. Because that's all we're talking about. This money is fringe money. The University of Texas isn't going bankrupt. My God. Well, and here's the other thing. Like, do you think some sort of Red McCombs-esque booster, and I'm using it as a metaphor because he's in the front of mind because of the awful comments he made about Charlie Strong when he got hired. Do you think that guy is really going to say, I'm not buying my suite this year because they're not playing the song? Do you think people are really going to come out like that? Let like, them. It, Somebody like, else like, will buy like, it. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Like, uh, I, I do want to clarify, I'm just looking back at like how they actually attempted to thread the needle on this. I'm looking at an article from our friend Chuck Carlton from the Dallas Morning News from October. Tom Ehrman had to come out and basically be the face of all this, which obviously put him in an awful spot because it basically made him pit the school against his team, right? And he had to stand in the middle. So he said, yes, he wants the players to respect the fans during the eyes of Texas, although there's no mandate to remain on the field afterward. On one side of the controversy is athletic director Crystal Conte, who told the team last week, and this is in October, his expectations were that the players would remain after the game and stand during tr- during the traditional singing. So, so basically, Del Conte stood up and said there was an expectation that the players stand after the uh, game. It it was not essentially an order, Mandatory. and I think yeah. I think it's important too, Dan, to to note like. This is a song that's sung to the hymn of I've been working on the railroad. Like, yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievably degrading that that expectation was there. Okay. Expectation, not mandation, mandated, but that ain't, that ain't much. And we'll get, when you're getting expectations from people above you who control your scholarship. Exactly. If you're on scholarship and the athletic director says the expectation is that you will stand there, that's, I would, I would take that as basically, an order, and I would not be very happy about it. All right, so there's going to be more to come on this story, and we'll be on it. Uh, if you happen to be uh, a Texas booster who wrote wrote in to complain, please stop listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, we will uh, want to get into this, though. Pat had an interesting column over the weekend about uh, the struggles of the Indiana Hoosier basketball program, which has basically done virtually nothing since... I mean, they had a few years in there, but hadn't done anything under Archie Miller, but hasn't done a whole lot since uh, Mike Davis took him to the title game back in, I don't know what that was. What was that? 2002. 2002. 2002. It's been a long time. Indiana for a long time was the pinnacle place, not just just the Bob Knight. They won a couple titles before Bob Knight. His thing was, are they going to fire Archie Miller? 
And uh, if they do, the obvious candidate, the best candidate available, presuming Brad Stevens does not want to come to co- back to college basketball, which I don't believe he does. He does not. <laughs> he, he really does not. Never. He left because he doesn't want to do that. Even if the Celtics did get rid of him, which I don't anticipate, he will be quickly hired by somebody else. So he has no interest in this. Uh, the, the person is Scott Drew, who is at Baylor and has built Baylor up from the rubble of a scandal. I mean, like when you think of the Baylor scandal, you don't even think of this one. But uh, there was the, the the teammate murder. His first year, they were not allowed to play non-conference games. I mean, this was a, this was a disaster. Uh, and they are now potentially the national, you know, could could easily win the national championship this year. Uh, he has done it without uh, tons of great talent or anything like that. Uh, I think Torian Prince is, is like the only NBA player of note they've had. And by note, uh, he's a guy who's like 12th man on a bad Cleveland team right now. He's of little note. He had a couple years in Atlanta, but I mean, he's going to be probably out of the league. So there's nothing. He grew up in... Uh, he went to Butler. He was from Valparaiso, where his dad was the head coach at Valpo, and he was a head coach for a year at Valpo. Thought, g- g- recap the column or whatever. If I didn't already do it, your thoughts on whether Scott Drew would ever take the Indiana job? And your yeah, the, the, the interesting thing to me when I wrote it was how many people were like, "No way, Baylor's a better job than Indiana." It's not, in my opinion. I mean, I, I there was a lot of people saying that, and I think there's a misrepresentation of Indiana. To a degree, people, a lot of people were comparing it to Tennessee football, sorry, Sully, or Nebraska football. So, oh, the glory days are over and they don't know they're over. The, there's a one hum, humongous difference between Tennessee football, Nebraska football, and Indiana basketball. It is where the school is located. You are located in a absolute gold mine of talent in the state of Indiana every year, all the time. And if you get those guys and you augment it with with some of the talent from the surrounding areas or wherever, California, Texas, where, you know, if you're doing it well, you can get them from one, anywhere, but you can definitely get the home state guys. You can win national championships. You can go to Final Fours. Uh, Tom Crean's team in 2013, they were a number one seed. I'm trying to remember, Pete, if they were the overall number one. They might have been. I think they might have blown that at the end of the at the, at the end of the regular season. But but they were a number one seed. Cody Zeller from Washington, Indiana, and Jordan Halls from Bloomington, and uh, I think there were a couple other in-state guys there. And then you go get Victor Oladipo and somebody else, and they. Frankly, Tom Crean would probably still be the coach if he hadn't blown that season. They lost in the Sweet 16. They they looked at Syracuse's zone and thought they'd seen a ghost and just fainted in that game. But that was a very good team. And they get to that Final Four. All the pressure disappears from him. But Baylor, yeah, there's a lot of talent in Wake, in, in Texas. But Baylor doesn't care about basketball that much. They care a little, but they don't care that much. They care about football. It's still Texas. Okay, if you want to be the big dog at a basketball school in a state where you can win it all, you go to Indiana. So they've got to decide whether they can take a 10 million dollar pill on Archie Miller. And they probably don't have an an AD who's early in his tenure, has never been a full time, the head AD before. He may not want to take that on. Uh, So Archie Miller may get another year. But either way, next year, go after Scott Drew then, too, because the dude can get it done. 
it's uh, it was a great column that Pat wrote on SI.com. It was like the like the perfect provocative column that that, you know, everyone is mad. Right. Isn't that everyone's the best column to write? Like everyone was mad. I thought it was a fascinating notion, fascinating concept. A couple thoughts. The evolution of Scott Drew from like the biggest pariah amongst power conference coaches. Remember, he and Rick Patino had a big kerfuffle very, very early in his time. He was mocked for hiring John Wall's AAU coach or brother, and then John Wall didn't go there. Like, he had some like very famous public missteps, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say he was probably, as he was coming up the ranks, the most mocked, vilified, disrespected coach in those uh, in in those ranks, would you agree with that, Pat? Yeah, yes. Knight went after him publicly. Scott Bar Rick Barnes went after him publicly. Uh, yeah, Patino was mad at him over Juan Techo Palacios. I think. Uh, yeah, there was some stuff. There was some stuff with Scott Drew. There was a there was a lot of stuff. And he was Scott a Drew. young, inexperienced coach who right. learned on the job in the Power Five because nobody was taking the job. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. And look, Billy Donovan was controversial during his times at Florida. You know, disruptors are often are often controversial. But even five years ago, if you had said Scott Drew would be a candidate in Indiana, like the last time around, for example, I, I think, you know, it, it's interesting how his reputation has changed and evolved during uh, during that time. And in credit to him for being steady for winning big. I just thought that was one of the fascinating concepts that that after I read Pat's column, I came up with. The other thought that I had here was that you have two athletic directors. One is Mac Rhodes, all right? Mac Rhodes has been at Houston, he's been at Missouri, and he's been at Baylor now. Mac Rhodes considered probably one of the best five ADs in the country, all right? When he knew what he had with Matt Rule, building that program out of rubble, he locked him up. And Matt Rule left for the pros. I believe Baylor got a pretty good buyout from Tepper, the, the Carolina owner. If you think Mac Rhodes is going to be in a position where he's going to get outbid for Scott Drew. Now, Indiana has money and they have Big Ten money and they care. But are they going to go spend $6 million a year on Scott Drew? Are they going to spend five? I don't know that. Like, I... I I have a hard time imagining Mac Rhodes being in a position, considering what a unicorn hire Scott Drew has been, where he's going to get outflanked for him. I just think that I would be stunned. And I don't think Indiana has the internal savvy, and as Pat said, they have inexperienced leadership, to go and, and do a strike like that, to go and nab a big fish. I think that takes a level of sophistication that, at least right now, having to eat $10 million, and then go pay a big nut for Scott Drew because you're talking about a seven-year, thirty-five to forty million dollar contract. I don't think Indiana can do that. I don't think they can do it financially, and I'm not sure if they'd have the savvy administratively to pull off that kind of a pull off that kind of a move. I uh, I think you got a, a a great point there, and I think if you're Baylor and Mac Rhodes is a very smart AD. Scott Drew has a greater value to your school than most coaches because you can't do this, okay? This is not just right. add water job. He built it. Again, he is winning without exceptional talent. He's not, it's just, the thing about everyone getting upset at Scott Drew, it's not like he just loaded up with all these All-Americans and stole yeah. everyone's recruit. He won with a bunch of second-tier guys in the state of Texas. There's right. no talent in Waco. Like, he just, he's done a great job and and continually improved at being a coach to where he's a really good coach now. And he did it slowly. 
incredible positivity. Scott Drew is like a relentlessly positive guy, and he stayed. He didn't jump at the first thing. If you're Baylor and you want to be good at basketball, you don't let this guy go. This is your guy because you're not just going to be able to say, oh, he's gone. We'll just grab this other coach around and we'll just keep it, keep this machine running. Now, you got no proof that that'll ever work. Indiana is a much better basketball job than Baylor. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. there's just too much oh, yeah. talent. It, it, look at the Big Ten. There's there was there's like seven teams that are in the top. Like it does not take a lot in the Big Ten country to get really good at basketball. Yeah. It, it doesn't take if, if you can do it, Illinois and Michigan State, and Michigan, and Ohio State and Wisconsin and Iowa, you sure yeah. as hell and Purdue, you sure as hell can do it in Indiana. I mean, it's just not that hard. Texas, people rarely any good. Uh, the one thing I think you can do at Baylor, and this is what they're doing or trying, is make it the basketball school of Texas. Now, they're always going to care about football, but they care about football in the Big Ten, too. But they, they, they've they created this pavilion that's only like 7,000 seats, trying to create more of an atmosphere. Uh, you don't need to be bigger. You just need to fill it. Uh, that's right. certainly worked at a lot of good places, like Cameron Indoor. No, 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 yep. no. You're not going to no. get 15, 18,000 people to go to a basketball game in Waco. They're just not going to do it. Almost nobody cares about basketball in Texas. I think the University of Houston does to a degree. UTEP does. But, I mean, these are not competitors in terms of, of recruiting. So, Baylor has a position to where they seem to be in this direction where they can sit there and say, hey, look, man, we're the basketball school of Texas. And sure. there are certainly tons of players in Dow in the, the Metroplex in Dallas and Fort Worth and in Houston, San Antonio, and then all points around it. It's one thing about Waco, it's right in the middle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe not centrally located. Maybe not any place anyone dreams of going to live, <laughs> but is centrally located. So mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think if you're Baylor, you do everything you can to keep this guy. But if you want to you know, there's certainly a lot to be said about Indiana as a as a job that should be. There's no reason Indiana shouldn't be in the top ten. Yeah, no, it's it's a program that's massively underachieving. And like I say, it's like Nebraska's not necessarily underachieving in football. Nebraska is probably had had overachieved for so long that they think they're underachieving. They're not. They're probably where they should be. Indiana, that's not the case in basketball. They're, Tennessee they, is self inflicted wounds. Yeah. Ten right. Anyone who says Tennessee isn't going to be ever good again in football, it's it's just it's ridiculous. They're going to be good again at some point. Nebraska, I don't know. <laughs> Are you Sorry. laughing or crying? Both. Sully? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sully, I'm now the positive thinker in Tennessee football. Talk about oh, a I, I agree though because there's you look at the the state of Tennessee football just from high school standpoint, it's a heck of a lot better than it's closer to Indiana than Nebraska. The state's is. growing. Plus, you're right near Atlanta. There, you will get yeah, good. Right. If I don't know that there's a coach that makes Nebraska work. Right. Like I just don't know. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer or something. Like maybe, but like he wouldn't go there. So I don't know. Nebraska is different. There's no players. There's right. players. So so let's let's go back one more Baylor Indiana thought because I think it's an interesting debate. Scott Drew has clearly maximized Baylor. Right. Like he has a. First, you know, obviously number one seed uh, could maybe have an undefeated season if they didn't have the pause. Like that is, this is as good as it's going to get there. All right. You have a Final Four team there. Do you go to Indiana, maybe not take as, maybe turn down potentially more money from Baylor? Do you go to Indiana and say, the ceiling is just higher here and I can go and I can push that ceiling up? 
Like that, I, I don't know. I, I think it's like an interesting notion to have I maximized the place and can I go somewhere where I can maximize it further? Yeah, no, that's, I think that's the allure here. It really not going to get better at Baylor. I mean, he could sustain it and keep it that way for yeah. a long time, but you are still, you are never going to make it a basketball school. And you can go to Indiana, which is a basketball school. And I have been, look, last year I went to Baylor, Kansas in Waco. It was a great game. And the atmosphere, everybody's like, man, this atmosphere is unbelievable. And it's like, yeah, it's good. But it ain't Assembly Hall when Indiana matters. It's not 17,000 in that place. Uh, you know, it, it, there's just, like you said, the ceiling is here on one side and the ceiling is here higher on the other. And look, I, I mean, I, Scott Drew is, is a, is, as Dan said, he's a positive guy. He's a happy guy. He could probably be happy at Baylor for till he's 70, but he's only 50 right now. And you want to try something else? Okay. And his, his name, Pete, you, you would probably know better than I, but his name was bandied about a few times in recent years for jobs. It's not like he's sitting there saying, mm -hmm. I only want to be at Baylor. I don't think mm -hmm. he's put that signal out. So I think it's entirely possible. I think they can get better because they get better players. Yeah. They haven't gotten yeah. Jared Butler as their guy right now. Mm -hmm. He's their highest rated you know, draft prospect. He's a junior. And oh, you're saying a, you think Baylor can get better? Kendall Brown coming in. He's a top. He's a top 20 player nationally, yeah. but they can get better because they can get better players. So yeah. I, I I mean, you can't get a whole lot better than being whatever they are, 20 and one or something. And and they had a COVID outbreak. That's, and they may still be undefeated, but you can get better or you can maintain it. I don't think this is like one of those. We got one guy and we're no, riding. Yeah. No, it's well, no. You, you now, you mentioned Kendall Brown. You now have a four year window where Kansas is inevitably going to dip, right? We're seeing Kansas's talent dip. Now, Kansas is so good, and they're an NCAA tournament team, but it ain't Kansas, all right? right. I would think any time in the last decade before Kansas's FBI troubles, Kendall Brown goes to Kansas, right? So maybe like it's a bit of a perfect storm where you catch Kansas in trouble, you start to get some top 30 guys that you weren't getting before, and maybe you can really turn the ignition and, and take that next step. I think that would be a really key part to any strategy of Scott Drew staying is knowing that Kansas is operating from a position of weakness and they may have to, if the NCAA takes a knife to their throat, part ways with Bill Self. So, and, and Kansas clearly does not want to do that as the actions of the last four years would dictate, but they may have to do it at some point. And so I really think if you're going to make that push, because Kansas is always going to be a much better job and a more attractive place to go for recruits. They got a century of history on Baylor, right? But I really feel like there is a window where maybe they can keep putting the foot on the gas here. They also don't have the Adidas money flowing. Uh, correct. Correct. Yeah, Kansas is like, well, we're under uh, the suspicion of the FBI is costing us these recruits. Either that or the spigot ended. Yeah, right. Uh, it's like, honestly, the, the alternative reality, they sell these fans. Oh, it's, it's hilarious, you know? We've been and accused of having these guys buy all our recruits. Now that they can't buy all our recruits, we're no longer getting all the recruits. Why? But it's not that. It's not that. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, since this is a podcast that prides itself on uh, reckless speculation, um, if not Scott Drew, Pat, who are some other names in Indiana? Oh, boy. Uh, See, so yeah, it gets dicey. Um, yeah. 
you know, they they took a run at Tony Bennett when they hired Archie mm-hmm. Miller, and he said no. He would probably say no again. He's won a national title since then at Virginia. There's less reason for him to feel like he needs to go somewhere else. I know the name that people's kept throwing out, and I was like, no, Steve Alford. Like, come on, man. Let, let, let's please get out of the Bob Knight rut, okay? Like, Alford has been a good coach, but – Steve Alford, in the best possible setting, I think is a fringe top 25 guy who maybe every once in a while can get you to to near the top 10. And in his worst years, he's going to be 14 and 16 because that's what he did at UCLA and that's what he did at Iowa, basically. So uh, you can do better than that at Indiana. I'd have to think about it, Pete. uh, I'll I'll conjure on it. Do you have somebody? I'm going to dangle two names. And if we're going to talk about a couple other jobs, these can can loop through. But uh, I I put a little thought to it last night. I have a... uh, coaching carousel column go, coming up on uh, on Yahoo on Tuesday. So I sort of went down this rabbit hole a little bit. Um, and again, I didn't do like an exhaustive study or a list for Indiana or anything because it's not going to open. I mean, I don't think they're going to eat 10 million bucks. But um, again, reckless speculation, what we pride ourselves on. How about John Beeline mm. to come in and run that beautiful offense? Or if you want to like get some of those Bobby Knightish vibes, bulldog, pit bull, do you go get Bobby Hurley? Yeah. Beeline's great, but Beeline also be 69. Um, you know, uh, doesn't mean he can't do it, but is he going to do it for longer than four or five years? Eh. And then Bobby Hurley, I, I mean, that that's an attractive one. And yes, it would, it would be Pitbull and Snarly and all that. But boy, they I mean, and maybe this is a COVID toss out for him this year. They have been a major disappointment. Started no the year question. top 15, I think, maybe even top 10, and they have a losing record. I don't know, but that's an interesting interesting name. So, so would be the other Hurley, but he probably didn't leave in UConn. All right, here's my two. I would go out west with a different Pac-12 coach. I would try to lure Mick Cronin back to the Midwest. Yeah. Oh, that's a good coach. name, man. Mick Cronin, yeah. who was a big success at Cincinnati, has mm-hmm. gone to the UCLA and is doing a, a good job there, certainly mm-hmm. coaching. Can you get – now, I don't know <laughs> – we've all said if you're in Westwood, it's hard to leave Westwood, but maybe uh, the other I would look at is Nate Oates at Alabama. Yeah. Mm. Michigan high school coach. Does he want to come back to the Midwest? He's certainly done an, a, an excellent job there. I would look at those spots. I don't know if you can get either guy at yeah. this point. The Kentucky fans have already decided they're getting Nate Oates. Whenever, there are, uh, you know, they, next year, five years from now, they, they've well, already laid claim. Indiana could jump that line. Perhaps. They could. They could. Perhaps. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, I don't know if and Nate Greg Oates, Burns it, seen this coming because he just signed Nate Oates to an extension, yeah. um, which I imagine is a pretty prohibited buyout. I, I didn't dial in on the details, but you usually you usually at Alabama don't sign a guy to a giant extension. So he leaves within the next 24 months like it would have to you'd have to back up the Brinks truck. All right. A big, big alert, big alert, a news alert. We got uh I just love the number of people who see these headlines and immediately contact us. Yes. I believe they contact us before they even contact the authorities. <laughs> <laughs> they should. They should. We could teach a branding class at a college somewhere because we have a brand. Our brand is Chicken Wars, Reckless Kangaroos, and any kind of just completely bizarre animal attack. <laughs> totally, totally weird. <laughs> Uh, AL.com, kangaroo escapes Alabama man, horseback search planned, quote, you have to grab their tails. 
hundred percent click through rate for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Terrific headline by the AL.com. We are often praising AL.com. Yeah. A three and a half year old kangaroo. I'm glad we know their age. That like that makes a difference. <laughs> oh, I saw a five year old kangaroo. <laughs> Probably not this. What does that mean? What does that mean? The half a year? Is that important? I it's don't a minor. Know. It's a minor. Okay. It's not are, are an there adult. People who know this stuff. Who are you and why? <laughs> it means it, it could be our gun town kangaroo is what it means. It's old it enough. That's, 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 let's, let's get this to is the, the meat question. of the story. This is the Come question. On. We'll get to it. A three and a half year old kangaroo made a slick getaway in Winfield, uh, Alabama Monday afternoon. And now... A search is on for the mischievous marsupial. Is that how you say it? Marsupial. 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 I should know this. Oh, mischievous mar... I I can't read. (laughs) I can't talk. I can't read. I'm horrible. Braxton Bassinger of B&H Livestock, I assume he's the B, said he was hauling (laughs) the kangaroo from South Mississippi (laughs) to its new home in Tennessee. How about that as a job? What do you do? (laughs) Drive kangaroos around. Kangaroo hauler. He he stopped at his home in Winfield and planned to keep the kangaroo there until he made a final delivery on Thursday. I let one of my workers get him out of the trailer, and I told him, don't let go of him. And sure enough, he lets go of him. (laughs) I couldn't see that coming. You have to grab their tails. excited the reporter was to get this interview? Absolutely. Good work. The reporter is um, Carol Robinson. Good job, Carol. Congratulations, Carol. Good job. Uh, He says, you have to grab their tails to keep them under control. And Mm. with him being wet the past few days, that was it. He was (laughs) headed straight down the driveway. (laughs) Why was he wet for two days? I don't know. Does it rain? (laughs) Sounds like something like Keith Jackson would say, the slippery kangaroo runs over the end. (laughs) Uh, so they're going to get a horseback group going to try to rope them. He said, um, they, yeah, we're going to try to get a rope on them. Yeah. Literally like cowboy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Lasso. Lasso the, the kangaroo. He says his business is brokering and hauling horses and cattle. And even sometimes Buffalo, a family asked him for help in finding a kangaroo. What? Why? <laughs> Why do you want a kangaroo? I don't know. He was able to do so. Uh, I got to tell you, he went to South Mississippi. Now, Guntown, as I recall, is in North Mississippi, where the the kangaroo got loose and we've not heard from since. Not uh, truly a hop, skip, and a jump. Right down to South (laughs) Mississippi. We thought this kangaroo made it all the way to Fort Lauderdale when it was. (laughs) He did. He He did. Now he's back. He went home. Yeah. He's like the yes. birds, right? That's they go back and forth. Vacation. He goes for vacation. <laughs> leave Mississippi. You go to Florida. You go back to Mississippi. A lot of people do that all the time. He tried to crash the wedding. We didn't let him. <laughs> if anyone spots the kangaroo, call Bassinger. 901-488-0888. So, I'm sure our whoosh. listeners will take that very seriously. Put that down. Oh, yeah. If you see a kangaroo. Yeah. Or if you see one, rope them and then sell them to Bassinger. Because he's got clients. Clients who want one. And that's to your point of why would you want a kangaroo? I remember when I was out in Sydney for the Olympics, they they had kangaroos like in the media housing area. And they were like, yeah, they're nice to look at. Do not interact with them. They're mean and they will come after you. So I don't know why you would want one. But 
I have zero doubt this is the Guntown Kangaroo. He's just, he's mobile. He gets around. <laughs> he went to Fort Lauderdale. We saw him there. Now he's back again in his home state. And now somebody's corralled him and wants to take him to another state. But this is our guy. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm happy for him. He can I, do I think it. he took an unofficial <laughs> visit to FIU. <laughs> the he originally got out when the guy put him in a pen without high enough fencing, um. which I always thought was really something you should have thought of. <laughs> you would think they do have hops. They got some vertical. There's like two things everyone knows about a kangaroo. They hop <laughs> and they have a pouch. Yeah. <laughs> That's the marsupial well, part. I yeah. hope he stays free, man. Get out there. Yeah. Go back and go back to Guntown or back to Southmouth. Do your thing, man. Some we'll birds ain't meant to be caged. Yeah. No. We'll hear from him again. He's our guy. Just out there riding the range. All, All right. our sagas are ongoing sagas. That's one this of the is an ongoing saga. Podcast. We'll have an update. Yeah. We'll have an update yes. soon. All right, quick um, chicken sandwich wars. Uh, first, there's two things. One, Arby's is 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 not just trying to get in the chicken sandwich war with that that huge monstrous creation they had. They've started. <laughs> this is the problem with wars: easy to get into, hard to get out. <laughs> They've declared fish sandwich war. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no. my god! Oh, oh! <laughs> mm -hmm. Just stick with your meat mountain, all right? <laughs> know your role. It's uh, Lent. It's Lent. The fish sandwich war. They went yeah, on Twitter yeah. and took a took a shot at the at the beloved filet fish. Wow! Give them credit. They go swinging at the top. Hey, you know what? <laughs> and it is Lent. This is the time to do it. That's we got to play some chain thing here in Louisville called Moby Dick on Shelbyville Road on Fridays starting at like four in the afternoon. The line is down the damn block. People lined up to go through that drive through for a mediocre at best fish sandwich. So the war is, I mean, there's, there's some opportunism here. Might as well they, jump in. They have declared their fish and cheddar sandwich is better than the filet fish so, <laughs> It's a little bit what Arby's is doing is like what Scott Drew did uh, to Rick Pitino when he first got the job. <laughs> Like Scott Drew said, who is the great reference you made, Pat? It was Juantelo Palacios. Is yes. That correct? Yep. Yes. That, that is, if there's ever a quintessential Pat Forty reference, it would be pulling a 20-year-old Louisville recruit out of the top of his head. Um, yes. So basically what Arby's is doing is they are swinging at Rick Pitino right now. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well. All right. Well, and then uh, we got to give credit again to Zaxby's. Uh, we've yet to have their sandwich. They have a chicken sandwich. They keep declaring that they're the ones that are going to win the the chicken sandwich war, uh, which I think is just, oh, they're out of their league. But we don't know. It could be good. Their picture is good. Uh, their Zaxby chicken sandwich. But they, they, they declared that they were going national. They were taking the Zaxby's channel. Chicken sandwich is now national. Everyone can have it. And they're going to wipe you out. The problem is, uh, Zaxby's is not a national chain. <laughs> it's in Utah, Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South and North Dakota, Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Indiana. That's it. You can't go national Zaxby's until you're national. <laughs> so the nearest Zaxby's to me is in Chantilly, Virginia. Mm. Um, there Pretty is a big Raisin commute. Cane's in Boston, Dan. Does that surprise mm. you? Dan, how far is the nearest Zaxby's from you? Well, I guess it's in Indiana. Okay. Uh, so, I, but I don't know. I mean, he can't be clear. I, 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 we, Zaxby's is the the loudest 
Barker. They are they're trying. <laughs> I give them yeah. credit for that. I just yeah. they they're like UCF putting up the national championship. A lot of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of eye rolls. A lot of eye rolls in this. Like you can't be national. Pat, do you have one? You. Do you have one in Louisville? Pat? I have a Zaxby's about a mile from my house. Yeah. Well, we'll really? Check out the sandwich, yeah. would you? Wow. Are you gonna Will you be our correspondent? Will you? I'll you, do it. Will, I'll do it. Right. I've, I've been opposed to Zaxby's. I just didn't think it, they were that good. But I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a spin and uh, report back. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, that's that's important. We'll go, we'll get a detail on that that ongoing saga. Okay, one more item here uh, that I want to bring. We're up. really chicken through the important stuff here. So. Yeah, we're gonna end this. Uh, I want to give credit uh, to West Virginia football coach Neil Brown. West Virginia football coach Neil Brown. Now, in a series of tweets over the course of February, he wished all three of his children, his two daughters and a son, a happy birthday. All three of Neil Brown's children were born February 1st, 16th, and the 18th. They're 13, 10, and his son is six. Uh, This means that he managed basically to, as a life of a football coach, (laughs) to go through the parenting process, the newborn process, Pretty much after National Signing Day, but before spring practice. Yeah. Yeah. Not easy to do. I think this kind of game planning and and, an ability to execute the game plan bodes well for the Mountaineers going forward. No doubt about it. I mean, if you this is well scheduled. If you think about it, so like nine months, it would have been, I guess, like May, which is kind of a downtime. That's when you're making whoopee, and then February you're having the kids and you've 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 managed it well. You've you've hit your downtimes uh, extremely well. Mrs. Brown should be pleased that uh, that Neil's a planner. That's for sure. And the Mountaineer <laughs> fans should be pleased. Neil's a planner. That is impressive. Yeah, that's new levels of dedication to the job. So, <laughs> yeah. So happy Neil Brown has that famous party. book club, right? Like I, he's yeah he's 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 just a rare thinker. You know? He is really a thinker. It made it was a little bit of excitement as as he just kept rattling off happy birthdays. <laughs> across the month of February. And you're wondering how many kids this guy got. <laughs> yeah, he's got the whole month of February. <laughs> so congratulations to Coach Neil Brown. All right, that'll be our pod. We'll be back on Thursday with another one. Uh, we'll update the kangaroo situation and uh, everything else. Talk to you then.